Hello, this is Improvised Radio Theatre with Dice, with me, Michael Keel, and me, Roger Bell West. And it is the deeps of the deeps, it's the depths of the winter, and we are shivering in our little huts. It got up to a whole forty millimeters of snow. I mean, that's nearly two inches. Clearly, it's oh, the end times. Dear. I'm so, I'm sorry, but we, but we in in High Wycombe we live in this strange little valley which uh, doesn't see snow very often, and sometimes has, in living memory, seen really severe snow. But uh, most of the time, no, we're fine. Flooding in the rest of the country, subsidence, um, roads blocked, and people isolated for days. The hereabouts, nah, no, nah, it's it's all it's all well, this, very. This light. is the home counties. Things up, things like that aren't allowed to happen here. Oh, well, yeah, my my friend living up in Manchester has snow and subsidence and flooding all within a few a base of a few miles. And do do, do they have an MP of the current lead, ruling party? No, they don't. So, so, there you go then. So, who is the minister who's in charge of the weather, <laughs> since you happen to know? Oh, well, so there's a book you need to read. Anyway, never mind. The, uh, this... Um, We'll put it in the show notes. Uh, this month, we're going to be talking about some stuff from the bundle of holdings, some ha- uh, some types of thief, and some types of player, which will be interesting. But first, Roger wishes to mention... Yeah, thank you to Glenn Lewis, who uh, sent a contribution to uh, encourage us to keep doing the show. Uh, if you're w- welcome to uh, join, join this august company and... You can send your contribution via paypal.me slash rogerbw and mention that it's for this show. We are ever so grateful. And, uh, also, it'll, it'll, it'll keep the heating on, if nothing else. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> also, this is episode 98. Oh, gosh. I've been doing oh, this for gosh. a while, man. Well, we'll have to put something together for the fifty-fourth, for the hundred and fourth episode, which will be two years. Oh, you're going to want me to, us to do something special for the hundredth episode, aren't you? Maybe. <laughs> but but if you in the audience have any ideas, give us a shout. Yeah, because we're out of ideas. <laughs> we 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 scrape the bottom of the barrel every single month. Maybe we could just do do a, a minute out of each show. For goodness sake. You are the editor. You do the hard work. Right? Onward. Before any of that, the bundle of holding uh, generously provide us with uh, many of the things that go up there and one of them we thought might be worth talking about is Troika, which, first of all, we should say it ends today. Or possibly it ends yesterday, if you're not listening to this on release day, which is why you should listen to this on release day. Yes, clearly. Um, this Troika is, is weird. It is a bit. It's a small press. I think it's a British small press thing. It's it's uh, headlined as a science fantasy setting. And... Um, under that, it, it has an excuse to bring in all sorts of stuff, of diverse themes and diverse um, origins. Um, but what seems to be the, pro- uh, the problem with it is that it's got much more of a sense of style, especially visual style, which it's, it's good at, 
ish for its purpose is but um but not a sense of the world i think i think that's say. deliberate uh, yeah, I, I'm, I'm, I'm going to quote one of the paragraphs. Um, the yeah. system is basically fighting fantasy derived. Um, it, it, it has clear trace of advanced fighting fantasy, but it's rejected mm. much of that where it got complicated. Uh, you have three sta- still stamina and luck. And then you add to that backgrounds, which are basically who you are, a package yeah. of skill and gear advantages and things. So, for example, down in Yongadi, they do things differently. They respect the law. Every day there is a queue outside the courts to get a seat to leave the latest up-and-coming barrister defend their case with a metre of steel. The people follow the careers of their favourite solicitors, watch all their (laughs) cases, collect their portraits, sneak into the court after hours to dab the patches of blood on white handkerchiefs. In Yongadi, they love the law. And this is the only place in the book that Yongadi is mentioned. There uh, there are dozens, um, if if you take the... If you take the uh, the supplements as well, and this, of, this is deliberate, yeah. Um, and uh, uh, the befouler of ponds. That's that's one of, one of the standard backgrounds. Yes, that's one of the standard back backgrounds. You are uh, you apparently are, are are a priest, highly respected, who pisses in ponds, and and is caked in in, in stinking mud and undergrowth. Uh, but you get spells. You get spells. You're, you're highly respected, or you, you can be a fallen angel. You could be a crewman off a off a off a starship who's got very unlucky. But no. the whole th- the, the the whole thing is is, and I think my problem with it is that while there are some wide open backgrounds which inspire you to move forward from there and to make the world. More detailed, more real, more about something. This one just makes me go, whoa. The point is, I think, that you are supposed to make your own world, and the, these are prompts to cause you to do it. Yeah, they're, well, they're, they're being prompts to make me not. I, I think. It, it's very Terry Gilliam, it's very uh, Labyrinth the film. There's a bit of Jack Vance in there. I mean, you, you can call it science fantasy if you like. I call Star Wars science fantasy. I mean, because nobody knows how the science works. It just works. Yeah. Uh, uh, this is fantasy with some of the trappings have scientific names. But there, there is no, and, and I think the designers would agree with me, there is no consistency. There is no attempt at consistency. There isn't. Uh, it's, neither, not, it's not supposed to be like that. Neither the, the individual world you find yourself in, nor... Nor the implied uh, multiverse behind it um, is to, is trying to make much sense. I think what you've got here is not a surrealist role playing game, but an absurdist role playing game, mm-hmm. and I think it, it it sort of tumbles you into um, the into the limits of absurdism once it gets beyond a one sketch joke. It becomes um, something you you strain to make a structure out of. Yeah, uh, it does remind me of some some of the things I've heard about early D and D, particularly in the UK. Yeah, um, and, and anything can happen, and really your stats aren't all that crucially important. Mm. Uh, it's the decisions you make. Yeah, we make decisions within a framework. We 
our choices are dictated by the things that might happen and that we know might happen. The sample adventure uh, involves surviving to reach your room on the sixth floor of a hotel. It starts in the lobby of the hotel. And you have the big decision of going up in the lift or going up by the stairs. And if and if you really want to take your life in your hands, you can transfer from one to the other. Mm. And uh, but, uh, Here's another yeah. quote. Just past the exit, the steps separate and a wide carnivorous sky opens between them. Characters must jump across or otherwise ingeniously traverse these broad gaps or fall forever. Yes, uh, it is a little bit... You are obviously intended to survive ingeniously. Yeah, though you're, I, th- I think it's intended for quite a high casualty rate in the long term. Yeah, well, I, I, th- I got the feeling, uh, my, maybe my memory's faulty, you're trying to get to a party at the, on the top floor where you can meet interesting people and have cues for further adventures. Well, that's a possibility, but this in itself is, is an adventure. Yeah, um, it's, 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 the things lurk in the stairwells and, uh, and you a, are... A creature made of suffocating gas wants to use the lift with you. The mandrel, yes. the mandrel, who is the lift operator, has a gas mask, <laughs> but it only fits him. Well, it would, wouldn't it? Just a shape. Of, never mind. Uh, the, uh, it, it, it is pretty random. Uh, I, I think if you care at all about mechanics, don't. I think the uh, the one mechanically distinctive thing about it, and it would make a a nice mechanic for um, a, a combat heavy game, is the is the initiative system. Which mm. involves drawing. Uh, each character uh, gets a certain number of uh, tokens of their particular colour put into a bag, and each NPC does. And then on top of that, there's a single. The turn is now at an end mm-hmm. token, which go which goes in as well. And you draw those at random, returning them when the turn is at an end. Cars. Yeah, the, the, this is very much derived from uh, Piquet and the Two Fat Lardies series of war games. I don't know whether it's a separate invention, but it's very much the same idea. What they do, and I think it might work better for this, is you have two end turn tokens, mm. and the turn ends where the second one happens, so roughly two-thirds of the tokens will get used in a round. On the other hand here, you have multiple rounds, and there they usually only have one per entity. Yeah. It's an interesting idea, sure. I mean, it, it, again, it means that your actual stats are completely irrelevant to when you get to act. All PCs have two tokens. Uh, mm. Big, big, complicated creatures like dragons have eight. I think a high stat might give you um, uh, an extra one, uh, okay. but that might be my memory play, playing me up. Anyway, dragons have to be better than humans because rank hath its privileges. The illustrations of dragons are lovely. Uh, All the illustrations are interesting. It's a very, um, it's a very, mm, it's a very uh, art school style. (laughs) I mean, I I want to like this, but where is things things like there is the the mean system, uh, which is basically a series of six attitudes that 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 a given sort of monster will have. So, for a dragon, for example, you have sleeping, playful, hungry, quizzical, aggressive, or paranoid. Uh, but for... Let's just try something with a name that's in English. For a goblin, you will have curious, dismissive, preoccupied, gossipy, overly friendly, or paranoid. And you you could roll this, but or you could just say, that, that seems funny, and I'll use it for inspiration. Yeah. Um, and, and I do like that. Yeah, the... 
It's it's it, yeah. The where some where is something like Itris Bai, which is almost as inclusive and almost as um, as absurdist as this inspires me to say, yeah, I, I can make this world live for uh, uh, for the the characters. There may there there, there may be goblins um, in, in the park. And their boarding house uh, may may be r- run by um, an ancient thing that lurks in the basement, but still you've got a, you can get a sense of the place of the lonely northern seaport um, and of the history and of. Whereas this, no, I'm, I'm sorry, there isn't. Yeah, there is no place other than what you make of it. Yeah, and, but, and, but but I yeah. Uh, what I'm saying is there are a lot of places like that. I'm. I'm Thinking of starting a fate campaign um, in a in a place in a city between the worlds where people come from far and near, and lots and lots of possibilities are there both for player characters and for and for the local inhabitants. Mm-hmm. But I inte- I intend it to be um, a specific place with a specific history, with reasons for things to be the way they are. And this is just throw anything at the wall and see what sticks. Yeah, I think what I'm trying to do here is say, yes, I agree with you. Uh, I absolutely accept that it has these problems, and I think it is vanishingly unlikely that I would ever run this. But... However, taken as what it is, and for for the sort of GM who who is prepared to accept that, and the sort of player yeah. group that's prepared to accept that, it could be great fun. And. I don't know if you, you've overheard some of the uh, D&D games at Stabcons. Yeah, Rory McLean's sort of thing. Yeah, and, oh. and a lot of those people have been doing it for quite a while, and re- really they're, they're not terribly interested in levels and hit points and things. They're interested mm. in, the, in, in the people and the adventure, and, and the sort of absurdism that you could get from sometimes in those is very much the sort of absurdism this game is designed to produce all the time. Whether that would be too much, I don't know. I mean, maybe file it on the shelf next to Paranoia as I'm going to run this occasionally, but not as, not as a campaign. I will say that there's an adventure included in the bundle, um, which is called, I think, So You've Been Thrown Down a Well, mm-hmm. which is... Um, all hail the worm. All hail the worm. Uh, you are you are a bunch of criminals. There's even a table to roll uh, the things that you have uh, uh, allegedly done, and a separate uh, table for why you did it. Quite, <laughs> um, and uh, and you've been thrown down, down down the well in the middle of the of the city uh, square uh, because everybody knows there's a there's a nasty monster down there, and you probably won't come back. And there are, uh, and, and the adventure is all about managing to uh, clamber your way up past the, the the monsters and the obstacles and the traps and getting out, which is actually rather a neat idea mm-hmm. and not the sort of thing you could do with a desperately serious role playing game. Again, this is probably to somebody's taste, but uh, <laughs> whose that taste may be. Well, I'm I'm quite I'm quite glad to have skimmed through it. I will probably read it at some some point. Um, I I as I say, I don't expect to run it, but it is quite fun to read, mm. and it may well well be inspirational in that regard. Uh, another game that is 
probably to somebody's taste, though I'm really not at all sure whose, uh, is Forbidden Lands, which ends on the 8th of February. All right, um, all right I, go on. I've not actually done more than glimpse at this, but well, the, tell the, me about it, uh, Professor Roger. This is the same people who did uh, Tales from the Loop, which is well regarded. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, yeah, it, 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 it's, it's a fantasy game. You've got villages and elves and dwarves, and it basically feels as if 80s D&D got a makeover with high production values, but keeping the <laughs> monochrome art. Uh, it, it's got dice pools rather than funky dice. Uh, you still care about tracking resources, because we're trying to be old-school 80s D&D here. Mm-hmm. But on the other hand, damage comes off your stats rather than hit points. But you're going to build a stronghold. You're going to have to do that. <laughs> Yeah. Um, what is the novelty? What is the target audience? What is the unique thing that says, I want to play this fantasy game rather than the 17,000 other fantasy games that are out there? I, I don't see it. Well, I, uh, looking at the um, looking at the blurb, and I, this is one of the ones I didn't download. Um, looking at the blurb, it looks like another game of colonisation going out into, into the wilderness... I think it's called in some circles the Westlands campaign. Well, there, if, there, there has been until recently there, the, the, this mysterious thing, which basically, if you go out after dark, you die. Oh, and well, that yeah. and, and that has recently gone away. So the idea is you, you've had these villages or whatever that are isolated for a long time. So ripping off Earthdawn a bit. Yeah, it, it certainly felt like that to me. On the other hand, several of the character backgrounds uh, strongly imply that you have done extensive travel in your past, so and mm. uh, when I skimmed through the descriptions of villages, they seem kind of pretty much like a standard fantasy village, not a thing that has had to produce all its own everything for the last however long, but I don't know. It's people who like this sort of thing will like this. I... Yeah. Is it possible you're not being as fair as it, as we, uh, to this as we were trying to be to Troika? Well, it it's... It doesn't have the things about Troika that grab me. I mean, it it doesn't have the weird art. It doesn't have the um, mm. okay. We're we're going to mess with your head here. We're go- we're going to subvert your expectations. No, my my expectations are resolutely unsubverted. <laughs> it's a fantasy uh, game. You play fantasy heroes. You go out and you know fight things and and and, and, the, and grab their stuff. Yeah, there is. Uh, I have seen this. Is probably isn't relevant to this particular product. A lot of debate about how to do Westland-style games without the racism, without the implied colonialism of the setting. I'm not sure that's actually possible. Um, and the trope of there are such things as evil races is probably built too deeply into it uh, to get the Wild West and early days of the US feel out of it. Um, but uh, someday someone may come uh, come with a way to square the circle, but um, I don't think I've seen it yet. All all co- colonialising games in our current political state, um, when there are too many people in the world and we're all pressed a little hard, we all think we're pressed a little hard against each other. A lot of people have a vested interest in keeping you thinking that way, yeah. Um, that then, uh, then there's bound to be a certain amount of tender feeling about this. I I don't know how you make a uh, place to be colonised effectively empty 
but nonetheless interesting. Well, th- this isn't that, as far as I can see, at least. I mean, you're, you're going to a place that is a village that has been surviving itself for a while. Um, yeah. Or you're going, it, or you're going to, as it might be, somebody's village that didn't survive and and mm. that, that, that got eaten by the Greeblies. Or you know, some, somebody's nice country manor. Where, where they thought they had enough supplies, but they didn't. That, that kind mm. of thing. Um, so you, you can have places that are depopulated and essentially free for the taking, plus any monsters that have moved in. So, mm. so I, I guess in that respect, that's, that's one way of trying to do it. And I, I've, I've read a fantasy series, which is basically um, Frontier America, except uh, the American Indians never existed. Yeah, that would make life simpler, wouldn't it? Well, that's the thing. I mean... It's on the one hand, you can see the the author's point of view of I just wanted to tell a story about frontier American type people dealing yeah. with monsters and magic and things. But on the other hand, the reason frontier America was the shape it was was because of the locals. So, yeah, yeah, it's tricky. Anyway, okay, so so out out of this 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 month's bundle of holdings, we've had half a recommendation for something that's going to finish today. Uh, and the other thing I would say is that a, a lot of people I know have said, yeah, Triker is great, so uh, don't, don't take me as representative of that. Uh, no, I, can, I, can, I, I know that there are GMs, we probably know several GMs, that would uh, grab hold of this and make it fun. But just at the moment, may, maybe I'm being grumpy because of the the season and the, uh, and the year. Uh, I'm not one of them. Onward. have recently fallen into bad company, by which I mean that my friend Martin has been running a Wednesday night game of uh, Blades in the Dark, a game in which you are all thieves and evildoers and malfeasance, uh, professional criminals in a city uh, under a permanent uh, cloud of darkness in a world under a permanent cloud of darkness, in which everybody... Is, there don't appear to be any good guys, and this is a feature of the place, so you can feel less guilty about robbing them. Yeah, we, now, we, we talked about this a little uh, last time because of the bundle of holding. Yeah, well, let me... Um, I'll, uh, let me leave aside my uh, frequently expressed um, moral qualms about this sort of campaign and this sort of theme... Let's take a look at the sort of roles you're going to play as a thief, which are probably slightly different in a campaign where you're all thieves, um, but it also may affect uh, campaigns where you are the thief that the party has for some reason chosen to trust, a trope that um, strains a little, um, I, I think you'll find from time to time. Well, I think in both cases you... you uh, niche protection is the cliche, but I think you want something of that you, you want something that your character does that distinguishes them from other characters. Okay, well, in that case, the uh, the character list in Blades in the Dark is actually a useful um, starting point. First of all, there are thugs. Now, I'm not quite sure. It always worries me slightly, uh, even though I know the people who I'm playing with. 
about people whose fantasy is somebody who goes out and solves things with their fists. Um, See also an awful lot of superheroes. Well, quite. Um, why why do people want to be Guy Gardner? He's, I, I, I mean, he he's there to be the comic relief for Batman and um, a bad example for the other Green Lanterns not to follow. Mm. But it's a it's a thing. So that that's one sort, but that that is a familiar enough sort of character in um in uh, in uh, generalized role playing that I think we can pass over it without commenting too much, except to say that in this context, if you give them their head, they can get you into an awful lot of trouble. Hmm. And that's a, actually that's a good point that all types of thieves have a sort of trouble that they can get you into um if you let them have their head or if you don't. Then there are the th- then there are the technical specialist thieves, not only locksmiths and um, makers of traps, but also there's uh, in my case I'm playing the uh, the expert in dealing with ghosts and magic, which is fun fun enough, and um, I can say no, uh, I can I can play somebody who's all intellectually superior, but a little bit lost in the, quote, real world, unquote, that the others inhabit. Not that you're being typecast there at all. No, quite. <laughs> um, then, um, then there's the long-range killer. Um, this is a thing for, uh, for thieves. It's enough of a speciality that it actually gets a separate, um, a separate category. The sniper, the the person who who kills with guns from a distance and doesn't get in close and personal. There, that's that's a, that's a part for for the loner, for the person who um, comes in and saves the uh, the entire the entire party um, from uh, from a distance. And then there is the con artist and the face. The face, yes, they're the, they now they're they're the guy who gets a lot of screen time. They're the guy for um, for the egomaniac in the party, naming no names, um, and uh, and that is a sort of imbalanced sort of thing because that character is always going to attract a lot of. The detailed attention. Their scenes have to sort of have to be play, played out with dialogue and things to be achieved. I'm not. I I think it may be in a bunch of themes the the one person who is um, who who is imbalanced in uh, in the amount of uh, of detail they get. And I'm not sure if this is a good feature or a bad feature. It makes the adventures more interesting because, to be frank, watching the sniper set up his sniper rifle or uh, watching the the technical specialist figuring out how to break the, 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 the safe open isn't that exciting as a conceptual sort of thing. Though I'm, I'm sure it's exciting to people who... Are interested in that. Sort well, of thing. It, it, it can be exciting as a matter of drama because 
on the one hand you have I'm prepared for this and I'm good and I'm I'm doing the thing that I'm good at and on the other hand you have and all of a sudden it's not the way I expected so I have to improvise yeah the the uh, uh blades in the dark is designed to create um the moments when things go pear-shaped and everybody is struggling to find a solution to that as your character dangles by their fingertips from the parapet um, or um, reaches for the pouch of papers that they know they don't have to show to the nice police officer. Mm. The last one, the last one which comes to mind is the is is another odd one. It's the planner. It's the mastermind. It's the guy who sets does the the background research and sets things up. And in leverage and things like that, gets to say, no, no, I don't want you to do that. Perhaps because in leverage, there is a good guy there to give them guidance, mm-hmm. which is the fantasy element of leverage. <laughs> um, and, uh, and that person is always going to be a little bit in the background. And it's an odd, pl- an odd part because th- gangs of thieves are either very authoritarian or very egalitarian. The pirates of the Spanish main um, were, by and large, uh, people who chose their own leaders and decided um, how they were, what they were going to do and how they were going to do, and only handed command over to the captain for actual operations. Mm-hmm. And um, had... had first mates and purses with as much influence over the affairs of the um of the group as the as the battle leader did not to say that any of these people couldn't find themselves so uh, waking up with a knife in their back well true um that's a dynamic that isn't explored in blades in the dark but sometimes you do find i mean if that's your fantasy then i think you want the compensation of power to go with the fact that you're not the one at the front um hmm. so given that taxonomy is there things are there things that's that are missing um well to be honest i think you've covered the main basis of of, uh, most adventuring parties there um i mean in in the in blades they are specialized into different sorts of thief but you know, you've got the fighter, you've got the the the, the tech magic specialist, um, systems that allow it, which is pretty much anything since D and D have a role for a face. Hmm. Um, mastermind is a bit trickier because everybody likes to think they're the mastermind, but um, <laughs> yeah, I, I do know players who are modest. Yeah, but in in a system where where you can essentially sh- share metagame resources between characters, mm. uh, they, then there is certainly a role for the character who just ga- gathers a lot of those and throws them where they're needed as things go wrong. I mean, the, the sne- did you mention the actual sneaky cat burglary climbing? No, I didn't. You're quite right. And so I think so that, 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 that's the classic thief, but that 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 is in Blades. Um, yeah, I mean, the the only thing you're missing is the healer. Yeah, um, um, not all games have that. So, yeah, this is uh, this is uh, very much a you get better in 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 down in downtime, or you've pushed yourself so far in game that you've exhausted your your resources and you've taken some permanent harm. 
I think the dynamic of the game is supposed to be your character gradually losing their humanity, losing their <laughs> sympathy for other human beings, of which you have none, Roger, I, I know. but I had to go shopping this morning, all right? <laughs> were, were people actually covering up, or, or was it... Never mind. Mostly, not... but, you know, queuing up for the hand sanitizer outside the shop. Yeah, I, I, it's probably not going to help, but this, this is basically a good idea. Queuing up so close together that in Kansas they would already be married... No, <laughs> you don't do that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, dear. Yeah, rejoice that you are not a security guard at, at a supermarket, Roger. Your life could be worse. I do, I do. I, I'd, anyway. be, I'd be quite bad enough as a checkout person. I, I have a great deal of respect for them. Mm. Uh, anyway, the back, back, back to the, back to thievery rather than public health. <laughs> the um, the the types of thief, they're all there. Well, I suppose all player characters are there to give uh, the person who plays them a particular type of hit of satisfaction, and in a good rule system and a good setting, those things will um, complement each other. Yeah, well, we'll, we'll, we'll come back to that in a little more detail later. Yeah, um, I think if if you start off saying the character is a thief, and you, whether you're saying they all are, as in Blades, or just this particular one is, mm-hmm. that is to some extent separate from the skills. I mean, you you could have a hobbyist safecracker and parkour expert, yeah, who, who has many of the skills of the thief, but is essentially law abiding by nature. Yeah, and as I said, the fantasy of leverage is that you are the highly skilled criminal types. Well, that, that, that's the thing. That, that, that is one of a very good one, which is why I use it a lot. But one, one of many examples of we want to have a show about thieves, but we want the audience to be sympathetic to them. So these are the good guys. And uh, therefore, we have to show the enemy as much nastier than they are. And I think that's the thing that Blades is trying to do as well. Yeah, except that it's not. It's, well,. The enemy is everybody else in the city, but there's no evidence that they're any worse than... <laughs> uh, well, maybe the active worshippers of dark gods are, and maybe the aristocracy have um, a stronger sense of their own importance than is justified. But um, uh, but apart from that, um, everybody in the city is just trying to get by. I mean, they're, they're nasty, they're cruel, um, but that's because their universe is coming to pieces and their civilization may be slowly dying. And goodness knows, if they all pulled together, they might be able to do something about that. Quite. Now, the, the, this is the thing that gets me about Blades, is that criminals are parasites. They live off the surplus wealth of other people. And if pe- if they started going for other people's absolutely necessary um, wealth and holdings, then the other people will stop being nice to them and just slaughter them out of hands. They will have become bandits and mm. be killed on sight. And that doesn't happen in Duskwall, in, in the world of Blades in the Dark. And I, I have to accept it because it's a trope of the universe but it's not really credible to me that the 
yeah, when things when things go really, really bad, then people turn into cannibals. People choose to regard other people as a source of food, not a source of help. But it isn't. But you don't deliberately choose to go that way. <laughs> and you no, can no, make... of course we don't. Of course we don't. Absolutely. Roger, Roger, I'm on a diet at the moment. You are not fattening me up. <laughs> One case I think I would like to make in, in the context of presenting somebody as the good thief, to my mind, one of the extreme examples of this is Mission Impossible. If they did yeah. not have the notional the good guy government is telling them what to do, that would basically yeah. be a we are running a con on people show. It's a, it's a, it's a caper show with an excuse. Uh, those are... Well, as you say, they're, they're not uh, a dime a dozen, but they're certainly quite they're certainly quite common. And I think a similar sort of thing can, can apply in gaming. I mean, you can do the same things, uh, and in one case, it's because you, you need to do it because because you need to save you need the artifact to save the world. In another case, it's because you just want the money. In another case, it's because your superiors, whom you trust, told you to. And that it's different people who do those things. And mm. as I always say, it's the people who interest me. One people issue is in the um, is in the mixed party in the generic fantasy um, party, um, whatever system for whatever reason. Having the thief around is probably not a good idea, except when you actually need them. But the 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 the, the player party dynamics require that you treat everybody's character. With some respect, not mm-hmm. necessarily equal respect, but some respect. You say, um, yes, yes, he is being chased by the law and half the other criminal gangs in the city, but he's desperately useful when we, when we want to get a door open. Well, this is also a thing that I've seen cause trouble, um, based on player assumptions. Some players say, it's perfectly normal to steal from the rest of the party. That's you know they just need to be on the lookout. This is an essential part of uh, part of thief characterization. Other players say no, the party is not fair game. Uh, you know, keep keep the thief pointed outwards. Yeah, and, uh, and this this is not a difference in characterization. This is a difference in player assumption. Yes, um, uh, I, any player who came to that assumption in one of my games would be. Suffering a short, sharp shock delivered by the other player characters. Um, and the, I don't speak metaphorically, there was one occasion, um, where, where, where they, they, they executed a fellow member, but it, there was the complication that they suspected him of witchcraft at the time. <laughs> Not entirely justified, but, you know. Oh, most people are guilty of some sort of witchcraft. Uh, yeah. The, uh, the, uh, the 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 problem is that well, I think even professional criminals will say you don't shit where you eat, and you you don't befoul your own nest, mm-hmm. and your party is your nest. It is your home. It is where you go, and they have to take you in, um, except when they finally decide that they don't have to. After all, yeah, and that, that's certainly my preference. But you know, there are players out there who f- who feel differently. Um... Do these players do these players' characters live long? Well, you know, in, in some groups, it's just considered, yeah, this this is fine. That that's just a thing a thing that happens. It's you know, 
everybody sleeps with 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 the pouch of gold directly under their head and all the rest of it yeah personally i swallow my gold at the end of each adventure i don't need it until i get back to to the city after all yeah don't let the thief do the cooking Uh, I I think another thing that comes in here is um, the extent to which a a thief is, to to use a cliche, a product of their society. I don't just mean that in in, in the deprived background sense, but, for example, um, take transhuman space, or at least the more civilised parts of transhuman space, uh, take Wives and Sweethearts that you played in, uh, medium future SF setting, in a lot of places, um, there is nobody who is going to starve uh-huh. You, yeah, you, you don't have to go to work if you don't want to, and you will not starve. You will have somewhere, yeah. maybe not very nice, but at least somewhere to live, some degree of privacy, some degree of stuff. Yeah. And so that, so that, that chops off a whole class of crime, just as, um, you know, steving to buy drugs stops being a thing if drugs are cheap. Yeah. We assume this is not something. That's... Well, that 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 I'm not going into the uh, levels oh, of yeah. drug use and things like that. That 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 simple correlation does seem to happen. Yeah. The yeah, if you don't need as much money for your drug habit, you don't mm. need to steal as much for your drug habit. So the amount of yeah. stealing goes down. But I think you're still going to get thieves because mm. you're still going to get people who don't want to work as hard as they're being told they have to work. Uh, you're going to people who want people who just want more stuff than their neighbours, mm. and I think you're also going to get it people who just want something to do, something to belong to. You know, I mm. yes, the, the 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 state will pay me to sit at home and watch soap operas all day, but I have no sense of community from that. So I will go out and find a sense of community amongst those who uh... a, a, bu- a bunch of other non soap opera fans. Yeah, quite well. I, I, if there's nothing but soap, soap opera. On, I might, might well be driven. Actually, I haven't turned the television on in years. So. I haven't had one for a while. So, so <laughs> well, we may be outliers, Roger. I do hope so. <laughs> hey, hey, don't don't you want the rest of humanity to be elevated to our level? Yeah. No. <laughs> eventually, event is that's an eventually, isn't it? Yeah. And I'm, I'm just think, thinking of some some film examples as well. Um, you know, the, the two versions of the Thomas Crown Affair. I haven't seen the second one. Okay, I mean, in in both of them, the the, the basic idea for for those who haven't is um, a a businessman is bored and is therefore committing robberies, and comes up against an insurance investigator and yeah, romantic sparks fly and so on. Um, but it's interesting to see the the changes. Um, that in the, in the first one, it it is armed robbery, yeah. And what what he's doing is getting together a bunch of complete strangers. And they, you know they've never even met each other, but they have yeah. been told this is the thing you have to do at this particular time. Mm. Uh, and when they when they uh, rotated it for the second one, they changed it to art theft, and that that is a a crucial thing, I think, because it's yeah, every everybody wants money. Mm. If you take money from somebody, even if it's a even if it's a big horrible bank, you're basically taking money from somebody. You're you're, you're damaging somebody. Yeah. I think a lot of the audience doesn't really regard art as worth anything like as much money as is associated with it. It feels more victimless. Yeah, um, I mean, in, so in both cases, nobody's getting hurt. So 
So in in both in both cases, yeah. But so he's got a blank space on his wall. What do I care? Mm-hmm. Um, I don't. I don't think I have very many unique bits of art, but those that I do have, though they were cheap or free, are uh, are things I value. Yes. Well, th- this is not particularly my attitude, but from a filmic point of view, it's interesting to see how that attitude shifts. From yeah. oh he's just getting money well he's already got lots of money why is he doing that to ah right he's getting a thing that he actually couldn't get mm. yeah I, uh, I, but, I married into an art gallery so you know uh, <laughs> I've yeah I I I I I, uh, I think that that this sort of um, motivation blends. T- even more easily than the thug does in a, a regular thieves campaign, blends too easily into some into some people just want to watch the world watch the world burn, mm-hmm. um, which is a bad sort of place for a um, uh, for uh, uh, for for a set of role players to to move into. Uh, for, I wonder, for me as a GM, I, I think the thing I'm taking away from this is make absolutely sure that there are really villainous villains to be the thief's victims. Yeah, I, 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 if you can do it, um, you can. But it's 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 a revenge. You have to after stepping back from it, you have to say it's a revenge fantasy. It's um, it's a fantasy about. Being one of the less powerful and taking on on the more powerful, which I suppose a lot of role playing games are. But when it's a dragon, you don't get as upset, which is you unfair speak for to yourself. It's unfair to dragons. <laughs> they worked hard to to, to gather that hoard. Uh, they like sleeping on gold. Why are you disturbing them? Enriched uranium doesn't come cheap, you know. Uh, that, that, I think that's what they produce once they finish. Uh, no, no, that, that's iron. Just, just look up the uh, nuclear binding energies. If, if you find lots of iron, iron powder and pellets in a place that, that a dragon has been crapping there, you heard it here first, boys and girls. It, it's simply a matter of nuclear binding energies. I, I don't. Anyway, <laughs> onward, <laughs> onward. One of the things that's uh, come up recently, in fact, in a discussion on the Shut Up and Sit Down podcast, was a distinction between modes of game failure. Uh, on, on the one hand, you can you can say the players just didn't engage with the world; they were bored; they went off and did something, uh, you know, played on their phones or whatever. And on the other hand, you have the players didn't engage with my plot <laughs> because they got distracted doing something else in the world. Or well, they disagreed with the premise and t- and told you why you were wrong. Yeah, I guess. Is there some something in that? And I, I, I've been looking at uh, the the old uh, player cat- categorizations, uh-huh. which could possibly do with an updating. It's been it's been uh, nearly twenty years, and yeah. um, thinking, yeah, this this isn't really as complete as it might be. And I and I I think there are some. Uh, Missing concepts, which which may not have been common at the time. Some some of them I definitely don't see very much anymore. So, Aaron Alston's Strike Force, which was the first one I've met that did this, 
1998. So you've got The Builder. Um, he, he was talking mostly about superhero games, so at least broadly yeah. set in the modern world. Uh, the, the Builder wants to have an impact on the world, uh, do, do something that lasts. Mm. And I don't see a lot of that, I think, these days. There are games which put that into um, the, the into the core assumptions of the group. Unknown Armies, uh, third edition, for example, says you have to have a group and you have to have uh, an aim for the group. Likewise, Rain with the company rules. But yeah, as a, as as an individual player, when the group isn't driving it, no, that is a lo- that is a lot a lot rarer. Um, because they have to work with other people who don't give a damn about mm. about that. If there's not a, if there's not a preset um, group agreement about this is the thing we are all trying to do. Yeah, my, my character in the uh, Infinite Cabal campaign, uh, starting in seventeen uh, twenties England, mm. uh, was as as a side thing out out, out of game time writing writing novels. Which would, which were gradually incorporating more and more elements of the weird stuff we'd seen visiting other worlds, because we knew that sooner or later the visiting of other worlds was going to be a routine thing. And so she was aiming to prepare the way by saying, okay, yeah, yes, it, yes, they're weird, but they are people. Mm. Uh, but I think that's the closest I come to something like that. She was also, uh, yeah, introducing things like practical underwear for women in 1720s, which makes a remarkable difference. I, I, I would imagine so. Uh, you're a married man. Do not shock my poor bachelor's heart <laughs> in too many details. Um, okay, so Alston has the, the buddy. They're, they're here because their friends are, which, yeah, okay, still happens. Which is, which is uh, well, not so much. I think all my, all my gamers are, maybe. Well, Almost uh, all my of, gamers of are the here groups I'm in now, here. yeah. Yeah. Um, they're, they're what, it's what uh, Robin Laws calls the, the casual gamer. Mm-hmm. More, more or less, yes. But yeah, the the and I, you you can't you can't necessarily bring them in by putting a particular thing in a game. I think that's the key thing here, and they they, they may suddenly yeah. get enthused by something. But you you can't tell what's going to grab them, if anything. You, I think, what you do is you throw a number of things lightly at them and see if <laughs> they yeah if anything sparks, you know. Um. And two, two that I think are, are pretty similar, but uh, Alston has separately. The, the, the combat monster who basically enjoys the fights, and yeah. the mad slasher who wants to solve every problem by killing it. They are slightly different. The, yeah. I think the, the mad slasher isn't going to care about, uh, quotes, honour, unquotes, um, and, and isn't going to care about their reputation. They just want the satisfaction of having done it. Mm. Cut, cutting the dragon's throat would be ideal for... Uh, or killing the dragon by... Would killing the dragon by poisoning him satisfy the slasher, or what? It's, as I say, it's not a type I've particularly met for it, but... Uh, uh, so, you've got the genre fiend, who wants, wants the game to work like the models in other media, and... Uh, this this is one that doesn't doesn't particularly turn up in uh, Robin's later taxonomy, and I think that's because that's what Robin is. Uh, an awful lot of what he's done from Hamlet's it points on is saying, "Here is how you can take a story from other media and make it work in a role playing game." 
Yeah, um, and he's, he has he takes a delight in doing something slightly new and slightly different each time he takes on uh, he takes on a project, which is you know um, well, you don't want to do the same thing again and again. No, quite. Um, he, he does hit certain themes and certain assumptions about what players want, uh, but um, he's he, he will duck and dive all over the place. Uh, so we've got the copier now. The Alston has this as what I think of as really two separate things. One is the player who wants to play a character from a book or film or whatever, mm. and the main problem for them is, yeah, in in the book they were the lone hero, and so they get yeah. all they get all the awesomeness, and in the game it has to be spread among the players. Um, but that that's relatively easy to solve. Uh, the the other thing is. Um, the char- the player who always plays the same sort of character, you know, always wants to be the sneaky loner, always wants to be the face, mm. that kind of thing. Um, which, which is slightly, which is slightly different from uh, a player who has um, always has some sort of emotional or ethical or intellectual link in their characters. The thing they, as a player. The thing as that they as a performer get cast for, mm. um, but could be expressed in a number of different functional ways in the in the type of character that's being manufactured. So the, the, this guy is usually cast as a villain because he has that lovely menacing lower. Yeah, but what, what or, sort of villain he is is going to vary. This this guy here, this guy does a good uh, avuncular uncle. Shtick, um, but one one week he's going to be a wizard, the next he's going to he's going to be a priest, and the and the third he's going to be M, um, uh, and advising 007 not to do that. Mm-hmm. And Robin has the specialist who's pretty much the same as this, and I I don't really see this as as a player goal because really their their goal is satisfied in character generation, you know. If if, yeah. if the system allows you to play something approximating a ninja, then the guy who always plays ninjas will be happy. So, yeah, uh, there are such types do, do exist still, but um, yeah, they they will find themselves restricted in the sort of games that they can take on and are, do get offered. We mm. can't have. We can't have Freddy round. He's going to want to play a ninja. Um, is is there, there is are no something. ninja at the court of King Richard? <laughs> there are, well, yeah, yeah. This is this is Renaissance uh, Italy. You cannot play a ninja. No, not even an Italian ninja. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so the the mad thinker who always wants to outwit the villain. Um, I, I I feel that I may not see this very well because I may be a bit inside it. I, I, I'm much more interested in stories of outwitting the villain than in stories about battering him down till he runs out of hit points, as a rule. I think a good campaign almost always has uh, a puzzle about the villain, a thing that has to be figured out, and uh, you have to work out who they are, what they're up to, what's really going on here. Is part of a good is part of a good campaign. What do they and actually so that, want? Can can we arrange for them to have it without all the murdering? Yeah, this well, this is pardon me. This is the mastermind figure from um, 
from the Thief campaign we were talking about. This is the guy who says, hang on a second, let's find out what's really going on. And then points the sniper and the and the uh, rooftop artist at the problem and says, do this. And particularly if you're an assistant that allows it, the the one who who spends the metagame points that lets him say, fortunately I thought of this and that policeman is actually one one of our guys. Yeah. Uh, or whatever. The, or whatever. The I, I suspect I may be inside this as well. At least it's not that it's not the thing I exclusively want to do, but I do find it very satisfying that I can say, hang on a second. Did he say he was from Sardinia? And <laughs> <laughs> everything falls into place. Mm. Uh, it's it's re- it's also pleasurable to me as a as a GM when they they say, hang on. Didn't something happen to our other characters that covered that? I'm setting them up for one at the moment. <laughs> Gosh, I hope they're not listening. Uh, here, here's another one that I'm definitely definitely um, inside the plumber. Uh, builds a PC with a detailed personality and wants that personality tested in the game. And um, yeah, that's kind of why I roleplay. I want a distinct personality other than mine, and I, and I want to see how that person reacts to things. I suspect as an actor, I tend to want to play a personality that is a usable subset of mine. I don't think I'd want to express my entire native psychiatric list of psychiatric problems in a role-playing game, but there are some things that I can play and attitudes I can take that work well in a game. and And I don't want that not to be taken into account or to be brushed aside by yeah. the GM. And, and, and people have rightly uh, chastised me for, uh, for failing to take their characters' individual quirks. Oh, uh, I must remember to write a big note at the top of my GURPS game. Remember to roll Daniel's en- enemy. <laughs> I'm, sorry, yeah. I'm sorry, I made the note before the game started. And uh, and it's not. Um, it wasn't done last night, and it's only just now hit me. Sorry, I, I seem to remember this. Um, I, I met this first in Champions, where you know any character worth his salt has an enemy or two, a dependent or two, and you, you, the, at the beginning of the session, the GM makes you know six or seven die rolls and say, "Okay, these are the NPCs who are going to turn up." Okay, that's pretty much written the adventure for tonight. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that, 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 you can get too much of, of of that if Aunt May and Lois Lane are both being kidnapped by different villains in a crossover campaign. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, then that's probably a bit too much for one episode, uh, unless, of course, you make it the same villain. I suppose mm-hmm. they can have a nice chat about what it's like to live with superheroes. <laughs> Uh, let's see, we've got the pro from Dover. Uh, they want their PC to be the best at the thing they do. Mm. But it isn't very nice. Mm. I, I suppose this could have some overlap with the... Um, what what or, or Always play the same sort of character, but I, I think this, this is verging into munchkin territory, but not necessarily in a bad way, because... I, I've, I've certainly met a couple of players who, who, who like, for example, to, to be the best combat monster in the party, mm. but are entirely happy to step back when the when it isn't being combat, mm. and and let other other people have their share of yeah, GM the, attention and so on. 
some uh, some specializations and uh, careers are more interesting in a cinematic sort of way than others and clearly the 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 swordsman um dancing and whirling is one of the more cinematically interesting ones and technically interesting and uh uh and only a professional could not like the sword fight in uh, in the princess bride uh, professionals have a whole new level of enjoyment of it actually all right because it, it is technically very competently mounted as well mm. And the, the the various bits they talk about uh, using are actually the bits they've just been using. Yeah. That kind of thing. Um, two I'm going to roll together pretty much. Uh, the romantic who wants their character to have personal relationships and the tragedian mm. who wants their character to have setbacks. Not because I think the two go together, but because they're basically, I want this particular kind of thing to happen to my character in the game. I, wa- I want some scenery I can chew. Mm-hmm. I want the, I want high emotion. And, uh, and 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 a chance for a moment of joy, or utter complete and bloody misery, depending on your on your tastes. Yeah, I I think these go together into what Robin calls the method actor, mm. um, and I think I would I would add to that a, li- a little bit of the plumber because one of the things you'll get from all of these is. Yes, either player can see that option A is clearly the sensible thing to do. However, my character would do option B because that's who he is. Yeah, sometimes that's great art, and sometimes that's just being a dick. And it's <laughs> it's, it's hard to tell which sometimes. But yeah, yeah, I I try not to have. If if I have a moral quandary, it's because I wanted the players to consider the moral quandary in character. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, and he um, also mentions the show off who just wants attention. As as far as I'm concerned, mo- most players, other than the one who just wants to sit in the corner and spectate, wants a, at least a bit of attention. It's just a question of how much. There are um, there are people who uh, who 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 thrive on attention, um, and what you got to do is make sure that the, uh, that they get it. Um, but that they get it as a climactic moment, at a, uh, a moment that makes a difference, and then they can stop. Mm. I uh, mean, th- and there, there are certain players who who just mesh well with the style of GMing I like to do, mm. and so it's quite hard for me not to wallow in the, the one-to-one stuff I'm doing with them and remember that there are other players as well. Yeah. Um an egg timer might be useful at moments <laughs> like that. Yeah, I, I, I should build, build something for Jitsi. Um, uh, the last of Aaron's is what he calls the rules rapist, and I think what Robin calls the power gamer. Uh, basically what, wants to, depending on how you phrase it, either optimise or exploit the rules. Yeah. And um, uh, the, I think that's a very narrow line between those. I have found players who are not happy unless they have something to complain about in my interpretation of the rules. Um, I'm not quite sure why this is, um, but they feel they've read the rules all the way through and the rules ought to apply all the time because the rules are never wrong and the GM should never need to fiddle with them. Yeah, this this is where... um... We, there's there's a thing that happens on the SJ Games forums I may have mentioned. Um, mm. You get people coming in who've played a lot of D and D, 
yeah. and they're, they're trying out GURPS and the, and they say you know if I combine this this and this and that 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 seems a bit broken is, 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 can I really get away with that and the answer is not yes it's in the rules or no but it depends on what your GM thinks as uh, this idea of the rule zero game the term rule zero seems to be um, of murky origins yeah but the the idea that essentially it it is the gm's game first and the rules are there in support of that hmm. rather than it is a dnd game that should in theory be like any other dnd game but it's with me as the gm yeah but nowadays you don't get as many players as you did in the early days who take their character from campaign to campaign um, and GM say, you've got a fifth-level uh, fighter, and he's got what? Oh, no, that's fine. I'll, I'll live with that. Doesn't, True, doesn't though, on the other hand, I, I can see the virtue of being able to say, okay, you know, I've, I've just played a Pathfinder game, and, I'm, and I've, I'm now drawing a new Pathfinder game, and mechanically it's going to be essentially exactly the same as what I'm used to. Mm. Uh, I, 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 if I play the a character with this, this series of abilities, then they will be able to do these things. As opposed to, to GURPS, where even the abilities that are available are likely to be quite different. The weapons list will be different. Yeah. The, char- the point budget will be different, all, all the rest of it. Um, and the the, people, the, the people there's who, a bunch of new games mechanics to learn. The people who, uh, who strike me as peculiar on the GURPS forum and, 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 and in any other, um, any other adaptable uh, role-playing system is the ones who say, is this the way that things are? Is this... Uh, and 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 everybody says, look, it depends what the GM says. It depends on the mm-hmm. type of world that he's he's making, and uh, and an, an, uh, an ability which is written and inter- is interpreted one way in one universe is going to be entirely different in another universe, and the GM's quite within his his rights to. Lee laid t- nasty surprises in the background, mm-hmm. and to some um, extent, this this is um, the, the the core flaw with GURPS. There are a, a given ability always has the same cost, modulo unusual backgrounds and stuff like that, which are a bit of a hack to this. But it's going to be way more useful in some campaigns than in others, even in the same setting. Um, yeah, if if you are playing. Um, fashionable criminals in, in contemporary London, uh, you're going to get a whole lot less use out of that gun skill than, than, than if you're playing thugs. Uh, well, and my, that, that could uh, be a campaign-level decision. Uh, my my uh, my Monday night game is, is doing a brainstorm game of investigation of, uh, of officers of the Imperial Magistrate going out and finding out things for him. Mm-hmm. And the wizard is suddenly... Is, is, has been surprised to discover that I'm making him roll formatology a lot because the theoretical bandings of all the uh, magic he doesn't personally know are actually important. <laughs> mm-hmm. But when people look at the wizard and say, can you do that with magic? He has to ha- be able to have an answer even if he's never studied that particular kind of magic. I think that may be the most rolled skill for the uh, more academic magicians in my World War II campaign. Hmm. You know, here, here is this weirdness. How can we make sense of this in terms of the magical theories we know? Do we yeah. need to extend them a bit? Uh, is this okay, so a new type of magic. 
a drool, drool, <laughs> express unnatural interest. Or at least a different lens on the same magic. So yeah. uh, moving on to Robin's Laws of Good Game Mastering, uh, which is 2002, I think. A lot published. shorter list. Yeah, uh, so we've already dealt with some of these, but um, the tactician is a bit a bit mad thinker, but um, the way Robin puts it is they, they want to work through complex problems that are also realistic ones. So yeah. the classic example would be we've got to assault this stronghold here are the resources we've got. How do we deploy them? Mm. That that kind of thing, which, which is, in many ways, quite specialised. I mean, it's it's something I enjoy doing, it, and it's a sort of puzzle I enjoy setting. But I know some players don't. So, I think I think it's something that a good team um, of of players, a good team of characters, will enjoy working out beforehand. Um, it's uh, the working out beforehand is a thing that's discouraged in things like Blades in the Dark mm. because you're you're going to f- retrofit your plan to fit the things that actually happen. But also in the in the film or TV series, you have the planning scene, yeah, which is quite short, and mm-hmm. then w- what that effectively does is build up your resources of I planned for this points that you spend later on. Yeah, uh, but I think. Figuring out, uh, in an investigation, figuring out who the criminal is and how we prove it and how we take them down is something that everybody's going to be... Uh, the, the team is going to sit around a table in a tavern drinking and reporting what they in particular have found and then going and saying, what does it all mean? Mm-hmm. I think... I think I, 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 why why I, did I, he I, say that when he knew we would... Uh... Find him out, and now that uh, and now that we know what he's up to, uh, where is he going to be, and how do we re- how do we uh, recover the heisted jewels, the kidnapped heiress, yada de yada de yada de. And the, the, the the last of these that I think isn't isn't really covered directly by um, Aaron's types is is the storyteller who wants to build a narrative, which is kind of genre fiendish, but. I, I, as you know, and as regular listeners know, I, I feel that uh, RPGs have their own native shape of narrative, which mm. isn't necessarily the same as that of other fiction. And I feel, uh, I feel, I'm noticing a lot of these today. I feel that this is another function that is best satisfied at a group level, at a, mm. at a, at a, a cooperation between the GM and the players level. Uh, taking material and running with it. But I think the best way to make a story is in the moment. Yeah. In the, in the, in the, in the, even in the roll the dice and see how it turns out moment. And the, and the facing down the, the two, two characters facing each other down and, um, getting their feelings and assumptions out. Is, ha- is is the moment at which the story develops. And what kills story, whether you're writing it or role-playing it, is planning it out too much in advance. So where, where the advice of the writer is show, not tell, um, you, you could say something like play, not tell. Play, not, play, not tell. Write it afterwards. Don't write it before. Put, the, put, put paths down, yes. Put signposts and indicators 
down, but don't write don't write what's sure to happen. Mm. And then again, uh, then again, and on the other hand, I have always take, I've taken care to always have a possible path for the times <laughs> when they, for the times when they have no freaking clue what I'm going on about. And they just don't want to see that I need a, a way to rescue them, them from total inanity. <laughs> Also, uh, I, I'm running. I've just started running a two-headed serpent, and one of the Pulp Cthulhu powers for villains is mm. called Lookout Master, uh, <laughs> which is the equivalent of, of the hero spending all their luck to avoid certain death. Uh, the villain can spend all, all his luck to avoid certain death, and a minion throws himself in the, in the path of the bullet or whatever. <laughs> ah, loyal old. What was his name? <laughs> Forty-seven, sir. Ah, yes, I remember his father, thirty-eight, <laughs> and his mother. There's what one I would like to add to these. I, I think is sufficiently distinct. Um, which is basically the traditionally the mad slasher was the guy who had a hard job and just wanted to relax and kill stuff. The slight variant I've met is the person who has a complicated job. And maybe a complicated yeah. home life as well. And what they don't want in the game is something complicated. Mm. Um, so in, in a game that has a lot of fighting in it, they can look like a bad slasher. Because combat is simple in a mechanical sense. Yeah. Um, you, you have a small number of decisions to make. But, um, for example, I, I, I know one player who's, who's getting very frustrated at a high-tech game with some, with some computer intrusions involved. In part because it's the same sort of, same broad class of thing that he has to deal with at work anyway, and and he doesn't want to be thinking about the same sort of thing. He wants, you know, a, a different sort of thing in the game, which is fair enough. I may have made a mistake in allowing um, a lawyer in uh, my Monday night group to play a lawyer in the in the fantasy investigators bunch. Because they are coming to it with a lot of assumptions from real-world law and legal practice. Mm -hmm. And I, I have to keep explaining that we're in a pseudo-medieval world, which is only just about discovering block printing, and hasn't, hasn't really 100% adopted to this fancy movable type stuff. So easily made, and, and photocopying is right out. So multiple copies of legal documents are sort of not a thing we've discovered. Mm, I okay. I I admit that my my preferred solution to this, and obviously it requires cooperation from the player, is to get the player to play some a character who is completely ignorant of the law. You know, yes. your, your your street cop who knows the basics but really isn't in any way an expert. Interested, yeah. Uh, and then get the player to help to opt to work as an advisor to you. Out of character. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Uh, one thing that, that it must be said that I'm finding running combat in our current circumstances, when we're, everything's remote, is a bit of a bugger. It would be nice if I could figure out how to use a virtual tabletop, but it, it, I, I get bogged down. As I've said before, I get bogged down in the introductory videos. Um. And, and I'll, I'll talk to you after, after recording about that. I've got have a thing that you might find useful. Okay, but the the, the problem is that uh, 
sitting around a table and and running a combat is a lot easier than do, than doing it remotely, especially when it's a ta- dedicated tactical combat where you care where people are standing and what they can see and who they can shoot. Yeah, um, bef- before we started uh, playing remotely full-time, uh, my general approach to a combat was, I will describe the setup, people say where they are, and we, we go on that basis, uh, particularly in GURPS where movement mm. distances are very short compared with weapons ranges. Yes. Um, but I always had the fallback option, which would happen you know, once per two or three fights, of the players can say, could you give, could you give us a sketch map of that? Yeah, and I would. I still, I still have a very old uh, Chessex, um, uh, erasable uh, mm-hmm. ma- battle battle map, and it's been uh, stained with too many careless, um, too uh, too many careless uses of not quite uh, erasable ink, especially red, Over right? The, all purple. Okay. The, the, the the tainting is mostly purple, it seems to me, but. Um, uh, but, but I still I still value it as a, as an aid, and dragging out the the cardboard uh, the cardboard heroes also helps. Mm-hmm. But as I say, this unless I get high tech, this is not really useful at the moment. Yeah. Oh well, we we long for better days. Let's have, let's have a moment of longing. <laughs> and we try to keep our players happy. Oh, we hope you are. I hope they are. We hope your players are all happy. And if you're players, we hope you're happy too. <laughs> so there. I don't, I don't think... I, I think that's everything. I don't think I have another uh, type of role player to offer. Though I'll doubtless think of a half a dozen as soon as we stop recording. Mm-hmm. If you have uh, new types of uh, gamers spotted in the wild, uh, then do please um, report them to this academic journal. Uh, you can reach us via... Uh, leave a message on the website or uh, podcast at tequili.ly. And next month, we hope the weather will be... It's going to be February. No, let's, let's not go there. February it is, not, is uh, not the cruelest month, only because it's short. <laughs> yeah, no, uh, that that's true. Well, no, we will be back again in another month's time. Y'all take care now.